Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Mad Lit Musings. This is Jamie Jo Wright, uh, your host and the person that always talks really fast on podcasts. Um, but today I have with me from Tyndale Publishing, the author T.I. Lowe. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I'll slow you down because I'm from the South and we talk real slow. <laughs> we got well, that yeah. lazy draw. So we'll maybe we'll balance each other out. We'll try. I, I have this Northern tendency to just keep the r- words rolling and not pause for breath until everything in my mouth and head has spilled out. It's dangerous. oh wow okay so you are christy award nominated um for was that for your first book which was well not necessarily your first book but under the magnolias yes Mm -hmm. okay sounds good and you have a book called indigo isle is releasing in june it has Mm -hmm. a beautiful cover thank you i love it I love it. Now, illustrated. That's what I was going to say, because before we came on, you were telling me about it. So tell us a little bit about the cover. I'll let you tell. I, it was, I really wanted something that look. I keep looking down at the cover mm-hmm. now. It. Um. I wanted something to reflect the indigo that the whole art of indigo is highlighted in the book. Okay. And so, but it's on an island, a barrier island off the coast of Charleston, but it was like, it's not a tropical island. So I didn't want to go that route. You know how it right. goes with cover ideas. Yeah. Um, they really, ca- I wanted something to capture indigo fabric, indigo dyed mm-hmm. fabric. Mm-hmm. And the designer from Tyndall House, she hand illustrated that entire cover. That is crazy. And she did such a phenomenal job. Look at that. You're watching on YouTube. You can see it. If you're not, go to YouTube. Subscribe to the channel because you're going to see the cover and it's gorgeous. I just got this in the mail two days ago. Oh man, it is so pretty. And I love the fact that it's hand done and just brings so much depth to it. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, let me read the back cover for listeners so they know what it's about um, because I'm already intrigued. All right. Sonny Bates left South Carolina 15 years ago and never looked back. Now she's a successful Hollywood location scout who travels the world finding perfect places for movie shoots. Home is wherever she lands, and between her busy schedule and dealing with her boss's demands, she has little time to think about the past until her latest gig lands her a stone's throw from everything she left behind. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Searching off the coast of Charleston for a scheduled site to film a key scene, Sunny wanders onto a private barrier island, I'm sold, and encounters its reclusive older owner, I'm also sold, I love reclusive owners, known by the locals as the monster of Indigo Island, Indigo Isle, sorry, I have to reread that because the sentence is really key. Sunny wanders onto a private barrier island and encounters its reclusive owner, known by locals as the Monster of Indigo Isle. What she finds is a man much more complex than the myth. Once a successful New York attorney, Hudson Renfro's grief 
has exiled him to his island for several years. He spends his days alone tending his fields of indigo, then making indigo dye. And he has no interest in serving the intrusive needs of a film company or yielding to Sonny's determined curiosity. But when a hurricane makes landfall on the Carolina coast, stranding them together, an unlikely friendship forms between the two damaged souls. Soon the gruff exterior Hudson has long hidden behind crumbles, exposing the tender part of him that's desperate for forgiveness and a second chance. I'm sold. I'm going to go pre-order. Everybody pre-order now. <laughs> the end. Okay. The end. That was a great book. <laughs> Loved it. Awesome. Great interview. Thanks for being on the show. Bye. <laughs> oh, fun. Okay. So just take me through a little bit on, you know, indigo, the dye, all this. I Because as somebody in Wisconsin, I know nothing about that. No. Well, I love the art of it, and there's a rich history about indigo in South Carolina. It was one of the major exports in the late 1800s. Okay. So I had plenty of um, history to work with. Um, I don't know about you, but I go to the University of YouTube quite oh, regularly. Yeah, all I've the time. Master's degrees by now. I think I've, we probably got a PhD over here, so <laughs> <laughs> just call me Dr. YouTube. <laughs> For sure. And um, I actually got to go to a workshop. Um, there's like this whole, um, what do you call it, revival of indigo art. Really? In so um, I attended a workshop where we actually went to a field of indigo. We harvested the plant and then we stripped the leaves off and we steeped them to make the blue, to extract the blue dye. And so I got to, you know, not a lot of times when you do research for a book, you get to touch it, you get to right. feel it, you got, you know, the whole experience of it so when it come to adding that it's it's a layer of the story um mm -hmm. it was pretty neat um so our our main character sunny she's you know she's the prodigal daughter so to speak and so she's damaged and just um she feel she considered herself a weed pretty much mm -hmm. and um if you've ever seen a indigo plant which you know you can go to youtube and look it up and see it uh, it looks like a weed. Mm -hmm. It's pretty neat how in the process of writing the story and then layering in the whole indigo art, the it, it, it paralleled, you know, like where you would take this plant, you know, it looks like a weed, nothing mm -hmm. special. And through damaging it, um, beating and bruising the leaves, mm. something so beautiful come out of it. Mm. Beautiful dye, blue dye. And so... Um, uh, it's just like, you know, I got um, probably about three-fourths the way of the book. And I'm like, this is sunny. Sunny is indigo. Yeah. Speak. So it was such a, a beautiful process of um, discovering the art of indigo and then how it just really related to the book in a way that I didn't expect. I just, you know, was weaving in something for the recluse uh, right. to do on the island to keep him right. there. But, um, and I, I tell people, this story is my Southern take on my favorite parable as well as my favorite fairy tale. So it's a match that a uh, prodigal daughter meets beauty and the beast. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I've always liked, uh, you know, that, that parable, it, it has many layers to it. And one of the ones that really intrigues me is the um, obedient son. 
and mm-hmm. how he responded to the dad like, welcoming the prodigal son back. And, you know, as author brains, our imagination wants to go beyond that. We want right. to find out what happened after that. And mine was, has always been, well, how did those two brothers react to one mm-hmm. another when he come back? Mm-hmm. And then, I, you know, I'm down in South and I thought, well, let's just explore all this from the female dynamics, mm, the, daughter, yeah. the mother, and, and then the two um, obedient sisters. And so I got to explore that, how the sisters reacted when she come back. And then, mm-hmm. of course, Beauty and the Beast. Um, that's my favorite because I like a damaged hero. Yes. I don't like perfection. There's no such thing as perfection. Right. So um, I took the beast of, and that's Hudson. Mm-hmm. He's, he, um, he's not perfect. He's got his own wounds he has to heal. And there's a line from the book that tells her she needs to be her own hero. He He's not her hero. And and so um, I think that's a powerful message too. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I like that too. Um, the the feminine take on the story of the prodigal son, because mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot of women that can relate to that story, and then having it told from a feminine angle in a fiction environment can just be really impactful. Yeah. So I love that. We all have prodigal moments in our life. Yeah. Prodigals, you know, along the way, and mm-hmm. we always get back to where we need to get back to. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah. I like that. A prodigal and a wounded hero or a yeah. a, a deeply disturbed one, a monster. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Hudson's past. He's he's grieving. Um, can you tell us like what he's grieving or what he's going through? Without spoilers? Um, a little bit of it. Yeah, I don't want to give it all away. But right, right. So he, he lived in New York and okay. he was a victim of an apartment a fire okay. and he lost people in that. I won't say who he lost, but right. he lost people in that fire. And of course he's, he has a few scars mm-hmm. you know, on his neck and shoulder from the fire. And um, he's not so much of a recluse because of the scars. He's a recluse because of, you know, what the tragedy, right. And he can't overcome the tragedy and um, he can't forgive his part in the tragedy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know about you, but I can forgive others a whole lot easier than I can forgive myself. Yeah. So that's another um, aspect of Hudson. He can't forgive himself. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like a self-imposed prison sentence for him to be out there. Yeah. And it was his grandfather's island. Okay. And his grandfather left it to him. But um, his grandfather was the indigo um, farmer, so to mm-hmm. speak. And then so it just passed, he passed that down to Hudson. And um, one little thing about it is, you know, in Beauty and the Beast, Belle always has a book in her hand. Mm-hmm. Well, in my book, Hudson always has a book in his hand. And, um, oh, I love it. Yeah, his, first, <laughs> his first line of, um, if, if he's ever asked about the book, well, what do you think about the book? He always says, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but then he says, you know, in his roundabout, gruffy, grumpy way, what he likes about the book. Sure, sure. Oh, I like that. I like the gruff, the gruff kind of grumpy heroes too. Those oh, are always perfect. Mm-hmm. I love it. Right up my alley. That's awesome. So, okay. When you're thinking about prodigals and you're thinking about somebody who's, you know, really struggling through grief, how do you, as an author, 
address those topics because those are two really big topics that that prodigal elements of potentially shame or having deserted your family, et cetera. And then you have over here grief, which is its own huge theme. How do you mesh the two and where does faith come in with all of that? So, um, <clears throat> Sunny, there's a lot more, you know, how you say the story's about this, but then it's really about this. Mm -hmm. um, sure. She, she ran away and, um, she made, but she made mistakes and those mistakes put her in a situation where she was, had, was sexually assaulted. Okay. And sexually, um, yeah, sexually mm -hmm. assaulted, but she almost felt like she deserved it. Like she got her, oh. um, you know how, when you're faced with danger, you, everyone that says you either fight or flight. Mm-hmm. There's also a third response, and that's freeze. And freeze always, you know, um, gets interpreted to them uh, giving permission for something, mm -hmm. something, mm -hmm. but she didn't. But then she felt like, you know, I've made all these mistakes. Mm -hmm. No one's going to believe me. Uh, so she pretty much keeps her mouth shut about it. And it's almost like a self-imposed, like um, Hudson self-imposed himself to the island. Hers is self-imposed. Uh, well, this is the consequences for my actions. This is what okay. I deserve. Okay. Um, so it was the the whole idea of the the prodigal story. Did mm -hmm. the prodigal son deserve to go back to his father and get the ring and the robe and the celebration? Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> But God, you know, the father was there to welcome him home anyway. Right. And, um, I just, I love that whole idea of the, the father didn't just sit back and wait. Mm -hmm. He ran to that son. And right. um, I thought that was just a beautiful uh, faith element. You know, you, you can, you, it's, I don't feel like it's ever too late to ask for forgiveness or to, to make things right until your last breath. Right. And um, so this was Sunny's whole journey of getting back where she should be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, she didn't feel like she deserved to go back home. The, the verse that was, I don't, I don't, I don't want to try to quote it because I'm nervous. I'll be said it wrong. It says, I will search for my lost loved ones who have strayed away and I will bring them safely home again. Ezekiel 34, 16. So that in a nutshell is the theme of the entire story. And, okay. you know, even though hers is prodigal and Hudson's is the recluse, they both have the same situation, the same hurdles they need to get over. Right. You really need to forgive yourself and then, then go back. Yeah. You belong. Yeah. So how do you think as believers or people who maybe you know, <clears throat> are still exploring faith, how do we get to that point where we can forgive ourselves? I mean, it's, it's one thing to even accept forgiveness and grace from a parent or somebody who's wronged us, et cetera, or somebody we've wronged. Um, but forgiving ourselves is a completely different set of something <laughs> it is. I have the hardest time forgiving myself mm -hmm. I, I don't even know if I've, I've still figured it out um 
I love one of my favorite things that I love that the New Testament highlights is Jesus went to the broken. Mm -hmm. He, you know, he was always visiting with the broken and he loved on them. Mm -hmm. And so that, that makes me realize I never have to be perfect to go to Jesus. I mm -hmm. never have to be perfect. I, I don't have to figure out all my wrongs because, you know, I mess up daily, <laughs> but um, it, it, it's nothing about me mm -hmm. when it comes to, to the forgiveness with Jesus. It's all about him. Right. And um, no matter if you're a woman at the well, or if you're a prodigal son, if um, you're a, a tax collector, you know, whatever label the world wants to put on you in God's eyes, you're his child. And it, he wants you with him, no matter how many bruises or mistakes or whatever, beating and bang, just, just, he wants you. And I, I know, I don't know about you, Jamie, but after I had my children, I understand it. I understand it. You like that? I understand. I like that. We'll, we'll go with that. I like that word. Let's keep it. I understand, understand it. it. I understand it that too. Yeah. I really understand now mm. that whole, um, all of that about being, yeah. no matter what my children do, I'm going to love them. Mm -hmm. And I think that opened my eyes up to how, how God loves us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think it's interesting too. And one of the things I've thought about and, and mulled over is how I don't expect my children to be perfect. Exactly. I don't expect people in my life to be perfect. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm really not stunned or surprised when my friends let me down or my husband makes me mad or whatever the situation is. And yet my own personal standard for myself is completely different. Me too. And, and I, I always wonder it's what causes that. That I would never say to someone else. Right. Why do we do that? I don't know, but see, I have a theory on that and I, 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 you know, I'm not a theologian or anything like that. So let's just put a whole bunch of asterisks with this theory that it's not, you know, Same here. It's, it's not necessarily proven by theology or doctrine, but my theory is, I think innately, we know that we were created in the image of God mm -hmm. and we also innately instinctively, whether we admit it or not, know that God exists and that there is a perfection within him and who he is and his glory and his amazing supremacy. And we mm -hmm. don't necessarily hold other people up next to God and say, oh, you failed. You're awful. You're, uh. But we do hold ourselves up next to God and go, mm -hmm. I don't even belong to enter the room. You know, I don't belong to enter the Holy of Holies into the presence of perfection. Mm -hmm. And suddenly we know all those dark secret places inside of ourselves that we're not proud of. Mm -hmm. And I think then we do that. I don't want to say comparison because in one aspect, we should see that short falling. But then sometimes we live there instead of taking the next step into what is grace. Yeah. That's my theory. Mm -hmm. That's my theory. We'll chew on that and see if that's worth anything. <laughs> I think so. Oh, grace is hard to accept sometimes. Um, and I love the fact that you'd mentioned Sunny is, she sees herself kind of as a weed. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much beautiful that can come from a weed. I mean, have you ever seen those those kids that run up to their mom with a dandelion? Yes. And suddenly the dandelion is the most beautiful flower mm-hmm. in the world. It's like, oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> Great. All right. So what else do we need to know about this story or about um, the process that um, your characters are going through? Hmm. I think, let's see. Have we covered it all? I don't think you ever cover it all, right? No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got to be careful, like, how much can you cover? You I know, know, right, right? Right. Yeah. Well, maybe at this point, everybody needs to just go out and pre-order the book. Or if you're, or if you're hearing this and it's already past June 6th, just go out and order the book because you can get that within a day with Amazon Prime. Yeah. Or you could, no, you really can't. Or um, there's a lot of other bookstores too that are probably begging for you to walk into their doors and purchase their books. So I'm always (laughs) big on those independent bookstores. So me too yeah all right so if readers want to learn more about this book they want to follow you find out more about your other books because this is not the only one that you've written um where do they go and how do they find you i'm I'm everywhere (laughs) (laughs) all the social medias um definitely um probably my biggest presence is on instagram okay I'm a short and sweet kind of gal and I like how Instagram, you know, is, is quick and you can, yeah. you, know, you, can, you can keep up with people easily, right. I right. think. Yeah. And this is TILO.com. I've made it easy. Just went, put two initials, T-I and then low. Um, and I have my own website, TILO.com. Easy okay. again. That's easy. Yeah. I have a, a monthly newsletter where um, if you want to just, I only send out once a month because I don't like to be bothered and I don't like to bother people. But <laughs> Kind of, it, it's fun to share some behind the scenes uh, scoop about things like my January one um, for some wild cosmic whatever I got to spend the day with James Patterson so oh yeah well hello yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> me little old southern me how'd that happen I don't know but um so I, I I share a lot about stuff like that yeah the scenes things on how things are going. And I also have, um, at the bottom of the newsletter, the last thing I share is books I'm reading or I want to read. Mm. And, um, so there's always some recommendations there and it's always crazy all over the board because I read all over the board. One of my biggest, um, things that I like to tell people is don't judge a book by its cover, just like a, a person. Mm-hmm. Get a chance. You never know if what's behind that cover or what's behind that person that could be your next favorite. So right. always give every, you know, give a book a chance yep. and give people a chance too. Uh, definitely um, this month's newsletter. Well, we, I don't know when we'll be, but anyway, where we are now, I have it ready to go and the vanishing of Castle Moreo. Moreau, yeah. I don't want to mess that up. Look, okay. my song, don't don't ask me to pronounce something because I'm gonna say it wrong. But, <laughs> um, I, I told you before we started that that's on my Kindle. I had pre-ordered it, and I was like, you know, it's gonna be there waiting on me because that's gonna be my treat for finishing up the uh-huh. book I'm working on, and I'm so close to finishing the next one, which is gonna be Low Country Lost, and it, hopefully mm-hmm. we're um, looking at. Uh, 2024 summer release on that one but um yeah definitely go get jamie's book too (laughs) (laughs) well i hope you like it and thank you 
<laughs> Thank you so much for pre-ordering that. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, Low Country Lost, we talked a little bit about it before, so I won't say anything here, but it sounds totally up my alley. I'm just going to put that teaser out there for the rest of the world to hear. So, <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This is great. And hopefully it won't super be the fun. last time. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was super fun. So, and um, everybody go out and get Indigo Isle and learn about the monster of Indigo Isle. I'm probably making that sound way creepier than it's supposed to, but He's pretty creepy to begin with. Okay, good, good. I like some creepy, so this is good. Southern creepy is really good. I'm just mm -hmm. saying, let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for being with us. Thank you, y'all take care. Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.